episode 84 of This Developing Story. What's up, y'all? It seems like every time I find out uh, a new person who sort of made their way into the industry, they've got really intriguing stories. And uh, this episode is just that. I chat with uh, Catherine Peterson, aka Catherine Codes, about her trajectory into getting her job at GitHub as an engineer on the communities team. It turns out we've crossed quite a few paths, and uh, we kind of talk about that actually in this conversation. Uh, Talk about how Catherine started the side project, which is readme.so, and how that side project kind of became her main project while folks were reaching out for jobs. Uh, It seemed like she had quite a few inbounds uh, for opportunities and interviews. So I hope you find these interviews uh, intriguing. I hope these are inspiring. If you're looking for a job, if you have a job and looking for your next job, or if you're just trying to get involved in open source or get attention in your project, that's what this podcast is trying to serve and trying to serve the question of how developers became developers and are still developing. As a reminder, this interview was actually recorded on Twitter Spaces. If you're not following me there, it's twitter.com slash yo. Holla at me there. And um, yeah, turn on the notifications. You can actually turn on notifications just for Twitter Spaces uh, whenever I go live too as well. So uh, feel free to do that. All right. So let's uh, jump into the conversation and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. So I'm Catherine. I, let's see. I live in the Bay Area and I am working as a software engineer at GitHub, specifically on the communities team. Um, I'm working on GitHub sponsors right now. Um, so I just I just joined GitHub back in June. Um, and yeah, that's where I'm at now. That's awesome to hear too as well, because I'm familiar for a bit of your story because I, I saw the readme.so. Um, was it on Product Hunt or somewhere? Someone tweeted it. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's a cool project. And do you want to talk about how you got your job at GitHub? Maybe we start there. Yeah, yeah. So I built that project readme.so back in, I think around March or April, I think April. Um, and I tweeted about it and it got like a little bit of attention, but a, a few weeks later, uh, GitHub, like their actual Twitter account, tweeted about the project. Um, oh yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, and I think I like retweeted it and was like really, really excited. Um, and then I got a DM from some, from a manager at GitHub and they were like, Oh, like, seems like you're really excited about GitHub. Like, would you be interested in working here? And I was like, yes, of course. Um, (laughs) so I ended up interviewing and that's basically how I got it. Yeah. Just basically through Twitter. Yeah. At that, at that point, um, just like a hiring manager from GitHub DM me on Twitter and, basically said he had an opening on his team and asked if I was interested in interviewing. Um, and I did. And the rest is history. Yeah. I mean, it's history in the making and it's uh, continuing the the process too as well. But uh, I wanted to ask, take a step back and find out your background as far as developing. So like, what, how did you get into the web development and um, coding? Yeah. So I actually studied industrial engineering in college. So it wasn't, wasn't CS or anything like that. Um, and I liked it, but I, I was Is that like think, refrigerators and stuff. <laughs> people say that. No, it's more like business process improvement. Um, okay. Yeah. But it was, it was like very general. Um, like we took a lot of classes, like a couple electrical engineering classes, a couple mechanical engineering classes. Like I, I felt like coming away from that, I didn't have any like hard technical skills. Um, 
And then straight out of college, so I graduated in 2018. And then I went to work for a small company. They did like food automation. Um, so like food making robots, basically. Um, and I kind of just did like whatever needed to be done. It was like a small company. So wore a lot of hats and just did like random things. Um, and it was fine, but like I didn't love it. And then about a year into that, I got an email um, from Cal Poly where I went to college um, that said that they were partnering with this coding boot camp and offering like a part-time online coding boot camp. And I knew that coding was something I was interested in from in college. We had like two or three coding classes. I'd done like a little bit in high school. And so I knew that it was something I enjoyed and that like kind of came naturally to me. So I applied for this boot camp and ended up doing that kind of just like on a whim. Like I, I saw that email and I was like, thought it looked interesting. Um, and then I ended up completely loving it. So that was like a full stack web development boot camp. Um, so I did that um, on the side of my full time job for six months. And then the company that I was at, uh, they actually let me switch into a software role there. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, so I did that for a while, um, and then I ended up going to a very early startup who was like just starting developing uh, a mental health app, um, and that's where I like first used Rails and stuff like that. Um, so I was there for another year or so, and then I ended up at GitHub. Wow, that's awesome! So going to, like finding out about the boot camp to getting the job at GitHub. What's the time span of that? It is. I started the boot camp in April 2019, so two years out of or two years, I guess, from the start of my boot camp, which was six or 26 weeks. Okay, that's that's not bad. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of every everybody's story is like different. I know one individual who just recently got a back-end development job after um, actually two years since finishing the boot camp, um, so getting their first job. But then I also know other folks who get the jobs before the boot camp's end. And I think it's all choose your own adventure. It, it, there's a lot of different variables. But I think it's that's amazing to sort of not really know about programming and then kind of not, I don't say backtracking in, but like sort of side-dooring into the industry. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I feel super lucky. I, I know I see um, Nick, my fiance, is listening right now on the space. Um, but he did the same boot camp as me like about a year later, and he's interviewing right now for jobs. But I've seen with him and with a lot of other people who have come out of boot camps, like it's really hard to get that first job out of boot camp. So I, I feel super lucky that it was just like the company that I was at happened to like have that opportunity there. Um, but like for a lot of people, that's not the case. And they kind of were able to take a chance on me without knowing my skills just because they knew me. Um, but it's hard like to, to find a job straight out of boot camp when you don't have a lot of like code to show or like experience to show. Um, and then obviously like the, the GitHub job was kind of like luck in a lot of senses of them, like seeing that project and tweeting about it. Um, so yeah, I know it's like very unusual to end up where I did so quickly after, after switching into software. Yeah. And like the, the one thing I wanted to point out too as well, cause like I've seen you around 
And I didn't realize, I knew the project that you, you created, readme.so, but I've also seen you around in different communities as well. And I can't even like place, I know we were both in the same chat once in a live stream for James Q. Quick. Uh, oh, and yeah. I remember James, James actually shouted you out and was like, oh, check out Catherine's project. And I'm like, oh, you created that thing? Like, I totally know what that is. Yeah, James is awesome. I He had me on like uh, shortly after... I released Readme and I think I remember I was interviewing with GitHub when I was on his live stream, but I didn't I didn't want to mention it on there because I didn't like have an offer yet. And I remember yeah. I, I kind of told him about it like before we started recording, but I was like, yeah, I don't want to say like the company. I just want to say like companies have been reaching out to me since I released the project. Um, but he's awesome. And he, he's like shouted me out a bunch since then. Yeah, he's a uh, uh, congratulations to James too as well. I don't think he's in the listening right now, but he just hit a hundred thousand on um YouTube. Oh wow. Um, which is yeah, that's mind blowing. That's um, awesome. Because yeah, he was definitely a lot lower earlier this year and uh he just sort of just ramped up pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I mean he's another one that I've like seen everywhere for a long time. Yeah, and I think that's the the thing too as well. It's like y- you you had a project that that got folks to reach out or GitHub to reach out and retweet you. But I think that kind of goes to show too as well. Like sometimes actually Rather than me come to conclusion, I want to find out more about why you built the project, Reby. So, so that way I'm not uh, putting words in your mouth. But yeah, what, what was the story behind that? Yeah, so I was at, um, it was actually, I was building a, a readme for the startup that I was working at. Um, we had just like our main repository that had been around for like a year and never had a readme. So I, I was like, I should probably add a readme to this. And I was like, I don't really know what, I'm supposed to put on here. So my technique was to like Google example readmes and then I would like go through and pick and choose what sections of the readmes that I saw online like made sense for that project. Um, so I had like a bunch of tabs open and I was like flipping through, like looking for what's relevant and adding it to my readme. And that's basically where the idea came from. I was like, it'd be cool if I just like could you know, like exactly what readme is now, like click on sections that I wanted and kind of see like, uh, like what type of stuff would you put in that section? Um, so when I was doing that, I, I wrote it down on like a list of ideas that I keep. Um, it's like in notion and I, I'm constantly adding ideas to that, that like in theory, I'll have time to build eventually. Um, and then I ended up, it was probably a few months after that, that I had, um, I had taken a Friday off of work for a trip that I was supposed to go on with some friends and that fell through. So I decided I'm just going to code this weekend. Um, and I looked at my list of ideas that I have and was looking for something that like I could build start to finish in a weekend. Um, and I saw that one and just decided to build that one that weekend. And I built it in two days, released it on Twitter and never expected everything that's happened with it since then to happen um, from like releasing it on product hunt. It was on the top of hacker news, obviously like GitHub tweeted about it. Sarah Drasner tweeted about it. Um, all sorts of like attention that I did not expect because it was mostly something I built because I wanted it, um, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, like if it's a problem I have that it's pro- probably a problem other people have. Yeah. I mean, the, the best way to learn is by solving problems. And it sounded like, so you said you had a, a couple different ideas and you sort of just ended up picking up this one. Did you, uh, have you done this similar for other projects since? Um, You know, since then I've gotten pretty caught up in, I don't, so like after I released that one, 
I actually, I did like on Hacker News, someone reached out and like offered me a job opportunity. And like, so I ended up being interviewing at like six companies at once right after that. Um, and then I joined GitHub, obviously. And then I ended up open sourcing readme.so. So that's, that's actually been like more work than I thought it would be. Um, so in other words, I haven't really built any other side projects since then. But yeah, I do have like a long list of ideas. And I chose this one, honestly, because it was like really straightforward to build. Like a lot of my other ideas from like a technical standpoint would be a lot more complicated. Um, like building out that project. It's funny that it's like the project that gets me the most attention because like it was probably simpler and easier to build than like projects I built in my boot camp where like they give you like your capstone project at the end. Like like it didn't have a back end, like no database, like you didn't save anything. Um, it was just like a basically front end React app. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of funny like that it doesn't really matter like how technically impressive or complex the project is if it's useful to people. Um, like that, that's enough. I've got so many analogies to what you, what you just said too as well. So everybody bear with me, but um, I, I use that same thing you just mentioned about how it was simplistic. There's no backend and it solved a specific problem. Like what I hear is constraints. And um, a lot of times people leverage those constraints as like, um, as like a problem to overcome. So like you got to make it more complicated so you can get around the constraints, but it seems like you sort of embraced them. Uh, and yeah. I just, I just finished watching the, the Bob Ross documentary on Netflix, mm. uh, the happy little accidents. How was it? And uh, it, it was actually really good. It was, um, and perspective of his son, which I didn't know he had a son. Huh. Uh, and like, there's, there's a lot of controversy and stuff like that that happened, you know, after, during, while he was alive, but also after he died. So I won't spoil it for everybody who wants to watch it. But the concept that Bob Ross had of you can just to start painting, and if you mess up or you ac- you absolutely accidentally use the wrong color, it's like a, a happy little accident where you can just like make that that little accident into a tree mm-hmm. or a squirrel, <laughs> and um, like you created a project that folks can solve the problem of uh, most readmes are pretty underwhelming, uh, and I think most folks had the same pain point but didn't solve the problem. Or maybe didn't know it was like a problem to be solved. And I think, uh, I don't know who retweeted it from GitHub, but it internally, I know that, in, well, the team you work on now, the uh, the org, the community team, like they're all trying to solve problems of things that people didn't know were problems. Mm-hmm. And which I find fascinating that that's the team you end up landing on at GitHub. Yeah, it's so it's so perfect. And I, I love too that um, I'm like working on GitHub sponsors, which... I, I just got my first experience with maintaining open source through this project. Um, and now I, I'm working on a product that's specifically geared toward open source maintainers. But I, I wanted to shift gears and talk more about your your role at GitHub and what's the experience been? Because you've been here at least six weeks now, maybe, maybe two yeah, months. Yeah, I started at the very end of June, which was a great time to join because our next week we had off for 4th of July and then we've had our summer Fridays since then. Uh, So I think next week is going to be my first five day week since I've joined. Um, Oh, congratulations. Yeah. It's so, it's been awesome, but no, I, I love it. Um, Like the, I don't know how much you've interacted with the communities team, but, and I don't know how different it is from other teams I get, but they are awesome. Like we, 
it's cool how they we have like different projects within communities and we have like flexible squads so you kind of have like you have your your direct manager but then you have your your squad that's like the project that you're working on like sponsors um but it's like it's it's like one big like family in a sense um so the culture is really awesome people have been really really supportive um i so i that's all been great. The The hardest part for me since joining has been just like the sheer size of the code base is something that I'm not used to. Um, so I, I was at like a super early startup before this and then I've worked on like smaller projects, but like the monolith was very intimidating. And I actually like just yesterday had my first, like I deployed something and like mid deploy when it was at like 20% um, like rollout. I like found a bug in it and I was like, oh man. And I had to roll it back. And then you feel so bad because like the other people on your deploy train, yeah, like in line. they had to start over. And I, and it was at like 6 PM or something. So like, I was like freaking out. Cause I was like, I, I've never had to roll back before like help. But like my team's like all uh, like on the East coast, a lot of them. So like no one was online. Anyway, I was freaking out. Everything's fine. It got rolled back. <laughs> but yeah, it's intimidating. I've never worked on like such a big code base with so many users that like it really matters if you break things. Yeah. Are you using uh, code spaces? Or are you still doing the local development stuff? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I set up my local environment on like the first couple of days and then someone told me like, oh yeah, you don't even have to do that. Like you can just use code spaces. And so I've been doing that since then. And it's been awesome. I had like a week where my internet was really acting up. So that was problematic. But like how quickly you can get up and running with that is so amazing. Yeah. And from the article that um, I think Corey put out there. So folks, if you didn't know, GitHub, I don't know if the, all the engineering team, definitely not all engineers are doing this, but we're using GitHub code spaces internally and sort of leveraging our own product to do day-to-day development. Uh, I love it. Because for someone who's more of a um, <clears throat> every once in a while I have to I have to touch the monolith, um, it means my monolith, my local environment is completely out of date. So it's like this this basically wipe it and start over type of deal. Um, it's nice to be able to just open up a code space and be most of the way there. It's amazing. Another thing I I really love about it, I'm like hearing feedback. Are you hearing that? Yeah, I I'm hearing your voice uh, vibrating again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That sounds better now. Um, anyway, another thing I really love about it is I'll be working on like two different features or something, um, on like two different branches and I can have like two different code spaces running and have totally different like data seated for each one. Um, like a totally different state of my database. Um, which is really cool. It's like having as many computers as I want running on my computer with totally separate environments that I can spin up in like 20 seconds. If you found this conversation insightful or if you got any value from the Read Me So project, I consider sponsoring Catherine on GitHub Sponsors, as well as consider sponsoring anybody on GitHub Sponsors. Um, if you're not sponsoring anybody and you're using open source and getting a lot of value from uh, simple GitHub projects, I think $5 a month on one project actually goes a long way, uh, especially if like 20 of us decided to do that. Also, we briefly went into the idea of code spaces and how GitHub is using code spaces. Check out the articles on the GitHub engineering blog around that, as well as uh, if you haven't signed up for code spaces or tried it out for your team, uh, consider checking it out. There's a, a few videos out there on YouTube as well as on the GitHub blog uh, on that subject. So check it out. 
And reminder, this conversation was on Twitter Spaces. If you have any interest in being on this podcast, sharing your developing story, reach out to me in a Twitter DM. I am more than happy to hear your story and share it with the world. All right, see you in the next one. Thank you.